Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 91-98. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down-to-Earth but Heavenly-Minded Podcast. The Coming of the Lord. Foretold in Isaiah. Among the prophets of the Old Testament, there is none that tells us more of the coming Messiah than Isaiah. He writes of the person of the Son, telling of his divine glories and of the sufferings that would be his before entering into the glories of his kingdom as the anointed of Jehovah. While specially occupied with Messiah's relationship to Israel, the prophet also shows him to be a light to the Gentiles, and God's salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord is foreseen in all the meekness and gentleness that marked him when he came as man to earth in grace. But he is also shown to be the executor of the consuming judgment of God upon the apostate nation of Israel and upon those that are the enemies of God. The Branch of the Lord In the opening chapters of this book, the prophet looks forward to the time when divine judgment will fall upon the rebellious nation, only a remnant escaping to enter Messiah's earthly kingdom. The blessings of the kingdom will be introduced by the branch of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 4 verse 2, Hope to Jehovah is beautiful and glorious, and Jehovah's thoughts of his Christ will be shared by the remnant of Israel. For the fruit of the earth, that hangs upon the branch of the Lord will be, excellent and comely, for them. When the Lord came the first time he was rejected by the nation, as foreseen by the prophet in Isaiah chapter 53. God's tender plant, the root out of the dry ground, had no attractiveness for those to whom he came, even as Isaiah wrote, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2. It will be altogether different when the Lord returns in his glory to save the godly remnant from the dreadful conflicts of the last days. They shall indeed see the excellency and beauty of him who was once rejected and crucified by the leaders and nation of Israel. The branch is also seen in Isaiah chapter 11 as a rod coming forth out of the stem of Jesse, confirming the prophecies of David that Messiah would come from the royal line. As in Isaiah chapter 4, so in chapter 11, the blessings of the millennium are viewed as the fruit of the coming of the branch of the Lord. On earth, at his first coming, there was constant fruit for the Father from the Son, the true vine, the one upon whom the heavens were opened. And the Father's voice heard to declare him as his beloved Son in whom all his pleasure was found. Jeremiah writes of the coming Messiah as the righteous branch, Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 5, Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 15, Zechariah also writes of him as the branch, Zechariah chapter 3 verse 8, Zechariah chapter 6 verse 12. These are scriptures that have particular reference to the second coming of the Lord to Israel. Emmanuel. The coming of the Lord was long expected by the godly in Israel, for many were the prophecies in the Old Testament scriptures concerning him. In Isaiah chapter 7 the very manner of his coming is predicted, for Jehovah himself gave a sign to King Ahaz that is quoted in the opening chapter of Matthew's Gospel, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The interpretation of the name is given by the Spirit of God in Matthew, God with us. It was impossible naturally for a virgin to be with child, but the holy mystery is explained in both Matthew and Luke. Messiah would therefore be from David's lineage, but also a holy babe born of a virgin. Added to these revelations is this that he would be none other than God himself in manhood's form, and a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, yet the anointed of God reigning in glory. It is not difficult to apprehend that the prophets and the disciples of the Lord were perplexed with these enigmas. In the light of the New Testament, and having the Holy Spirit to teach us, the outline of the whole picture is plain, Messiah is both God and man. And his first coming was to make God known and to accomplish redemption, and his second coming to fulfill all that remained of the prophecies of old. How brightly the divine glory shines again in chapter 9, where the prophet writes, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, verse 6. 
What a range of glories. We might well wonder how this prophetic testimony to Messiah could fail to impress the leaders of Israel, and especially when it was attested to by the wonderful works performed by Jesus before all. His name was rightly wonderful, the one whom no man knew but the Father, for this, with all else, tells what he is in his person. The words of the Son of God declared him to be the counselor spoken of by Isaiah, and his works of divine power proclaimed him to be the mighty God. Faith was required to discern in him the Father of eternity, and he shall yet be displayed as Prince of Peace. The Lord's anointed. When Messiah as the branch from the stem of Jesse should come, he would be the vessel of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit in a sevenfold character would rest upon him. This took place when the Lord was baptized at the Jordan, but the prophecy of Isaiah 11 is chiefly in relation to the coming day when he shall reign in righteousness. First, there shall be the judgment of God, when he smites the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked Isaiah chapter 11 verse 4. After this work is done, the conditions long looked for shall be introduced with his kingdom, his rest being glorious and the Gentiles seeking his presence. As the servant of Jehovah, the Lord is also seen as having God's spirit, for it is written in Isaiah chapter 42 verses 1 to 2, El have put my spirit upon him, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. Matthew tells us that Jesus charged them that they should not make him known, that this scripture might be fulfilled. A third passage in Isaiah that definitely speaks of the Lord as anointed of the Spirit is that of chapter 61, which the Lord quoted in the synagogue at Nazareth, then said. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears, Luke chapter 4 verses 18 to 21. It has long since been noticed that when the Lord read the passage he stopped it to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What he had read gave the character of his ministry while upon earth, attested to by the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth, but what followed, in Isaiah chapter 61, the day of vengeance of our God, awaits his coming again, the Lord's servant. It is plainly seen in this book that Israel is first of all viewed as the servant of Jehovah, see Isaiah chapter 41 verses 8 to 9, Isaiah chapter 44 verse 21-26, Isaiah chapter 45 verse 4, but he then introduces Messiah as his servant, saying in Isaiah, Behold my servant, whom I uphold. This, as we have seen from Matthew chapter 12, speaks of Christ, for he is the one in whom God finds his delight. Where Israel had failed as God's servant, Messiah manifested his perfections in obedience, and in carrying out all his will. Israel as the vine had brought forth wild grapes, verse 4, but Christ as the true vine brought glory and pleasure to God. As son, as servant, and as the vine, Christ takes up afresh for God the place and history of Israel, glorifying him where Israel had dishonored his holy name. We see this again in Isaiah chapter 49 verse 3, where the Spirit of Christ says, Jehovah, said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. How blessed it is to see all God's thoughts of Israel perfectly fulfilled in Christ. At his first coming, the mission of the Lord seemed to fail, for the tribes of Jacob were not restored, nor were the preserved of Israel brought back to blessing. Yet was he conscious that if failure appeared to mark his work, he was glorious in the eyes of the Lord, as having completed the work he gave him to do. Israel will indeed be regathered when the Lord comes back again, meanwhile there is a yet greater work, for God says to him, I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. How much is contained in these few precious words for those who were sinners of the Gentiles, but who have been brought into the richest of heavenly blessings through the work of the servant of the Lord upon the cross. Something more of the servant of God is brought out in Isaiah chapter 52 and Isaiah chapter 53. He would deal prudently, be exalted and extol, and be very high. If men dishonored him, God would exalt him, and give him a place on high. 
In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 11 we read that God's righteous servant would instruct many in righteousness, probably referring to his dealings with the remnant of Israel in the coming day, and he would bear their iniquities. The work of the cross, so blessedly set forth in this chapter, was for the taking away of the sins of God's people Israel, and how great the grace that brings the Gentiles into this, as shown in Isaiah chapter 49. The arm of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 51 Jehovah speaks to the righteous among his people, reminding them of how he had blessed Abraham, and promising them his salvation and blessing. The prophet then calls upon the arm of the Lord to awake and put on its strength, the strength made known in the overthrow of Egypt and the opening up of the Red Sea for Israel to pass over. Jehovah then shows that after having passed through the time of judgment, Jerusalem and her captive children would be brought into blessing, being redeemed without money. Their Redeemer would be Jehovah, and his mighty arm would bring them salvation. Looking forward to this day, the prophet writes in chapter 52, The Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Isaiah chapter 52 verses 9 to 10. There will be joy and gladness for Israel when the Lord Jesus returns as the arm of the Lord to save them from their enemies and bring in the long-promised blessings of the new covenant. Yet, even now, there has been an answer to this prophecy. The arm of the Lord has brought salvation for the world, and this has been made known to the ends of the earth. Even when the Lord was on earth, the men of Succor could say, We have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world, John chapter 4 verse 42. John, in chapter 12 of his Gospel, connects the arm of the Lord with the many miracles wrought by the Lord on earth, writing, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That the saying of Esaias the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? John chapter 12 verses 37 to 38, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. As the arm of the Lord, the Son of God wrought the wondrous works of power recorded by John, and very many more, but he also by the same power entered into death. Overcoming all his foes and procuring salvation that is announced to the ends of the earth. Sufferings and glory. Peter tells us that it was the Spirit of Christ in the prophets that testified, beforehand the sufferings of Christ, and the glory that should follow, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 11, and this is very plainly seen in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. In these chapters, where he is viewed as the arm of the Lord and Jehovah's servant, Messiah's sufferings and glory are clearly indicated. But so closely interwoven that we can readily understand the perplexity of the prophets when searching their own writings, and the necessary revelation to them that what they wrote was for a coming generation. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13 shows Messiah as God's servant, exalted and extolled, and very high, yet the next verse presents him with his visage, so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. The exaltation of Jesus after his work on earth and on the cross gives the key to the enigma. Then we have the glory of his second coming in verse 15, where the silent kings of the earth marvel that the king of glory is the once rejected man of sorrows. Chapter 53 is the most wonderful story of the sorrows and atoning sufferings of the coming Christ of God, giving the details covering his appearances before the great of this world, his death under the judgment of God. His suffering for our sins is the true sin offering, his intercession on the cross, his resurrection, and the glory of the coming day that he shall share with those whose sins he bore. Even the grave in which he would lie is noticed, and the malefactors who would die on either side. The day of the Lord. From the first chapter of Isaiah the day of the Lord is in view, for it is of that day that Jehovah speaks when he says, I will turn my hand upon thee, and purely purge away thy dross, afterward thou shalt be called, the city of righteousness, the faithful city. 
Zion shall be redeemed with judgment, and her converts with righteousness. Isaiah chapter 1 verses 25 to 27. The day will bring judgment for the wicked under Antichrist, for the Lord added, and the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 28. The term, the day of the Lord, is introduced in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 12, and, that day, is frequently referred to by the prophet. That day begins with the Lord coming in judgment for the salvation of his people, and will bring in the blessings the remnant have waited for down the ages. It will be the Lord's day of vengeance, on the wicked, but the day of salvation for the righteous. Peter shows that the day of the Lord will bring, at its close, the passing away of the present heavens and earth. To make way for the new heavens and the new earth to introduce the day of God, 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 10 to 12. From Isaiah we have therefore seen that the coming of the Lord was promised. He would be the branch, bearing fruit for God and men, in his person, he is Emmanuel, God with us, the mighty God, yet born of a virgin and the Prince of Peace. He would come as the anointed one to preach the gospel, and to be the servant of Jehovah and arm of the Lord, suffering before entering into his glory and coming forth to bring in the day of the Lord. 